0: Welcome to Read On, the podcast from Alameda County Library. We're talking about books, movies, music, and other great stuff you can get at the library. Join us to discover your new favorites. We're rolling. We're rolling. Okay, this is Kate.
1: And this is Natalie.
0: And we are back with a follow-up to a previous segment called Try It, You'll Like It. And what I was suggesting Natalie try was Anthony Trollope, who was a writer for When You Run Out of Austin, and you never liked Dickens anyway.
1: And I did try it, and I did like it. Yes, new Although I knew it. I'd read like every other big English author, so
0: well, okay. So I'm I'm pleased, even though perhaps it was kind of an easy sell. Easy Why sell. did you like it? What did you like?
1: Well, first, the, the book that I chose to read was "Can You Forgive Her." Great title. It's very dramatic. What did she do? Did she kill somebody? Did she you know Rob steal a bunch of money? No, pretty much what she did is she decided that. The guy she was going to marry was kind of boring, so maybe she would just call it off. And then after calling it off, you know, got to get you someone else and, you know, et etc. et cetera. And
0: we have nearly 700 pages of whether <laughs> or not to forgive her for this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which is one of the reasons why you might not have liked it. I mean, it is possible to Yeah, there are a couple like of, you know, people call this title out like, um, can you finish it or can you stand <laughs> her or whatever. But for me, it's like, yeah, like your only option in life is to get married and – your only choice for a social life is whatever your husband happens to do, and you're gonna be bored out of your mind. Like, I forgive you. I forgive you, Alice. Whatever. That's her last name. I don't even remember. But
0: I do remember that this is the first of, uh, Palliser series, which he, he wrote, I don't even know how many books. Hundreds. The guy, like, he wrote from 5.30 in the morning to 8.30 in the I morning. I think it's
1: 47. I don't know why that number it is sticking in my like head. I lot. think it's 47.
0: Think he wrote a lot, but he has two series that sort of stand out in a couple of standalones. But uh, this is one of his series, and it's the Palliser novels. They're about a sort of a, a group of people in the city. They're political. They're connected. They're rich. One of them's a duke. And this is the the first book in that series that introduces a lot of the
1: characters. Yeah, it reminded me a little bit of Far From the Madding crowd, but instead of being kind of depressing, mm. it's more satirical. Mm. <laughs> so you're not going to really connect to any of these characters enough where you're like, oh. like, uh oh. yeah, So there, my heartbreaks for her. It's more like.
0: Yeah, that does come later, actually. Yeah. It does. Yeah. I mean, I got really attached to the Duke. I got t- attached to Plantagenet Palliser, but that that comes later.
1: The women characters are really interesting in this book. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you're so much in her head that you know exactly why she feels about every single thing she does. So if you forgive her, it's like it's because you know right. all of her thoughts and feelings. And I feel like, I mean, it's definitely not like Thackeray, where it's like you know, a novel without a hero. Mm-hmm. But it's not where it's like these are really great people either. It's kind of a balance in the middle. Yeah, he has written a couple
0: of those novels without a hero. And sometimes mm-hmm. he has a hero.
1: He just kind of like, I mean, what I love about
0: him, not to try to oversell you, is he just <laughs> sort of lets it all hang out. And I think it's because the man just wrote constantly. He ne- he never he just wrote. He just wanted to make the money, and he had this massive work ethic. Perhaps here's the thought. Mm-hmm. Perhaps when writing <laughs> fiction, it shouldn't be only about work ethic. <laughs> towards towards the end of his career, people were starting to feel like he'd written too much that he needed it's to like, slow down. Stop.
1: He's like, no, I need more money. <laughs> right? Yeah.
0: He you know he set himself some very. I mean, if there had been. Internet. When he was writing, he would not even have hooked up his Wi-Fi. Like he was not, he wouldn't have diverted his focus. Like, but he
1: that. wasn't like you know George R. R. Martin either. It's like you're going to get the end of the book. He yeah. Will, he's not going to hang, make you hang for But interesting with money is he's very upfront with money being a huge deal in people's lives. Like mm-hmm. it's the reason why people even talk to relatives they don't like because they're rich and they It's like why people get married. And I feel like he's very kind of upfront with kind of the money, yeah, friendship, family interactions, which. Yeah, which, I mean, a lot of my favorite writers do that. Austin is that way. Absolutely. But I feel Um, like authors don't maybe do quite as much. Nowadays, like, the the dynamics are there. You can see them, but they're not up front of us. Yeah, he lets it all hang out. He's like, my aunt is a pain in the ass, but she's really rich, so I'm going to hang out with her, so maybe she'll give me a present.
0: Somerset, mom, you always knew exactly how much somebody's dinner cost.
1: Yeah. He's like, I bought an (laughs) omelet
0: for a dollar. I would get really into it. He definitely has some of that going on. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad you liked it. The good news is there's like a lifetime more. There's 46 more. more books. Yeah, so you can just keep on going. <laughs> going and going and going. Um, and for all of you out there who have run out of Austin and you already read The Good Thackeray,
1: And maybe you ran out of Dickens if yeah. you really like those. If you need more old fat books, this is the old fat book <laughs> old fat books writer for you. <laughs>
0: and ladies in dresses. Yes. <laughs> well, that so sells it short. It really
1: does. Hashtag fat book. Hashtag um, <laughs> ladies in dresses.
0: Hashtag it's awesome. Check them out. Anthony Trollope.
2: Hi, my name's Trevor and I'll be talking today about some books that will be here in the Alameda County Library this summer. I haven't read any of these books yet, but the descriptions of them sound amazing. The first book is called A Field Guide to Lies, Critical Thinking in the Information Age by Daniel J. Leviton, and this is out on Dutton. So we are inundated with information all the time. News, blogs, Facebook, and all the like, and sorting through it to make meaning can be hard work. Luckily, Levitin has written this book to help us along. As he states in the book, you shouldn't trust everything you read in the New York Times or reject everything you read on TMZ. The publisher says about the field guide In the technological world full of misleading and inaccurate data, Daniel Levitin reveals how to recognize deceptive statistics, reports, and graphs, and how politicians and the media chose to use this information for their own gain. This book looks really neat, as its topic is useful for everybody. Levitin, author of The Organized Mind, organizes misinformation into two categories, numerical and verbal, and then offers us methods by which we can critically evaluate them. I also like thinking about the world's information as an actual landscape. And just like when we venture into parts unknown, it's good to have a map. I think this book will be just that. This next one totally wins just on its title. Thrice the Blinded Cat Hath Mewed, a Flavia de Luce novel by Alan C. Bradley out on Delacorte Press. And honestly, all I needed to see was the title of this one to know that it will be awesome. There's a cat, a creepy murder, overwhelming relatives. Really, listen to the book's description. Returning home from boarding school, Flavia De Luce receives the unfortunate news that her father has been hospitalized. To escape a house full of overwhelming relatives, Flavia agrees to deliver a message to the reclusive woodcarver, only to find him hanging upside down on the back of a door. The only witness... The Woodcarver's Cat. I am pretty certain that fans of Wes Anderson, Quirky Mysteries, and of course, Cats, which on the internet appears to be everyone, will totally be into this book. Last, I would like to talk about The Young Bride by Alessandro Barricho, with Anne Goldstein as a translator, and this is out on Europa Editions. This title looks really interesting. I really like Europa editions. They make so many good choices, and really, they've never uh, left me wondering why they chose a particular book to translate. Their choices are bold, and I think with The Young Bride, it's no different. It tells the story of a young woman whose hand in marriage has been promised to the son of a noble family. From there, according to the publisher, she is to make her preparations for marriage at the family's via, where the inhabitants never seem to sleep. The atmosphere turns surreal as the days pass and her presence on the family estate begins to make itself felt on her future in-laws. In this charged and magical novel, Alessandro Barricho portrays a cast of mysterious characters who exist outside of the rules of causation as he tells a story, an adult fable about fate, and the difficult job of confronting the other and creating an us. This one sounds just weird enough to surprise and grounded enough in life and emotion to satisfy the heart.
1: Is it recording? (laughs) Well, let's give it a shot. Hello, this is Natalie with Forthcoming Books. Today I'll be talking about The Sunlight Pilgrims by Jennifer Fagan. It's out July 19th from Hogarth Books. Okay, so what I'm about to say might be too mean to actually post, but I need to get it out, so I'm going to say it, and then maybe you guys will hear it, maybe you won't. So The Sunlight Pilgrims takes place in Scotland during an apocalyptic winter cool setting, cool premise, and it has a fantastic prologue that has the perfect balance of lyrical writing and plot intrigue. The author definitely has talent. I was feeling it. I was excited. But then I turned the page to chapter one and, listener, I was bored. How do you make post-apocalyptic horror boring? You make it excessively literary. See also Colson Whitehead's zombie soporific Zone One. If you like long, rambly paragraphs and endless interior monologue, this book is for you. If you like dialogue without quotation marks, this book is for you. If you like navel-gazing at the end of the world, this book is for you. However, if you like an economical writing and movement and coherent plotting, perhaps look elsewhere and send me some book recs so I can read something fun.
2: Keep your eyes... pe pu- now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Okay, all right. Thrice the blinded cat hath mewed. Thrice the blinded cat hath mewed. This will be the thrice I shall try. Thrice the blinded cat hath mewed by Alan C. Bradley. (laughs) It's so hard to say. This has been another episode of Read On,
0: the podcast from Alameda County Library. Join us next time to discover your new favorites.